is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. Wise guys, these guys know sports. Wise guys, Tracy Larkins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. And welcome to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on this Thursday, October the 6th on the Wise Guys Sports Show on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Another show with your boy Trey Larkin is talking all the latest in sports. I got an action jam-packed show. NFL Week 5 is upon us. We got a great matchup tonight in Denver. Two AFC teams in the AFC. Two teams that are looking for must-wins in the Indianapolis Colts and the Denver Broncos. Matt Ryan versus Russell Wilson in the Mile High City in Denver tonight. Big-time matchup in the AFC. Also, later on the show, I'm going to talk about my NFL Week Five wise picks last week in week four. I went 10 and five in my wise picks. Expect to have a big time performance this week with my week five wise picks. So as the season goes along, I expect to improve on my record for my weekly wise picks. Also later on the show, I'm going to talk about the altercation involving Draymond Green and Jordan Poole as well. So we're going to get into that. Call into the show, 513 203 8655-513-203-8655 is the number to dial. And also, call into the show and give me your opinion about the question of the day. And the question of the day for tonight's show is, who is the NFL MVP so far this season? Do you got Lamar Jackson? Do you have Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, or Jalen Hurts? Right now, a live check-in with the voting results on the Wise Guys Twitter page. of people believe that Patrick Mahomes is the NFL MVP. 33% believes that Jalen Hurts is the NFL MVP. So call into the show tonight. Give me your NFL MVP through the first four games of the NFL season and let me know who you believe is the leading candidate so far this season. But we begin tonight in Denver it's a matchup between the 1-2-1 one, and one Indianapolis Colts and the 2-2 two and two Denver Broncos. It's a Thursday night matchup tonight on Amazon Prime. It's an 8-15 kickoff in Denver. The Broncos are favored by 3.5 points. The over-under for this game is 42 points. A couple injuries for tonight's game. Jonathan Taylor will be out for the Indianapolis Colts. Also for the Indianapolis Colts, one of their key players on their defense, Shaquille Leonard, he'll also be out with a concussion, also has a broken nose that he's currently dealing with. And for the Denver Broncos, tonight they will not have Javante Williams. He is out for the season with a torn ACL. So he's done for the year. And they did bring in Latavius Murray as a free agent. So he's going to try to help Melvin Gordon in that backfield. So, when I look at these two teams so far 
this season. Let's start off with the Indianapolis Colts. And so far this season, the Colts have been a major disappointment. They're one, two, and one on the season. In week one, they had a tie against the Houston Texans. And we all knew coming into the season that the Indianapolis Colts should have been the favorite in that matchup, and they should have handled the Houston Texans. And that was a tie game. And David Mills in that game, he outperformed Matt Ryan. And I had high expectations for Matt Ryan coming into the season because we saw the Indianapolis Colts. They let go of Carson Wentz. They traded for Matt Ryan. So they had an upgrade at the quarterback position compared to what they've had the last few years. In previous years, they've had Phillip Rivers, and then they had Carson Wentz. And I said that the Colts should be a better football team overall because they're going to bring in Matt Ryan, and Matt Ryan is a significant upgrade over Carson Wentz and Phillip Rivers. Last year, Matt Ryan actually had a decent season in Atlanta. He had 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 3,968 passing yards. Last year, that was a decent season for Matt Ryan in the Atlanta Falcons. That Falcons team, it wasn't very good. So, you know, I, I can only judge Matt Ryan so much because that Falcons team didn't have many expectations last year, but he still had at least 20 touchdowns last season. So I thought coming into the season, expectations for the Indianapolis Colts were to A, win the AFC South, and then B, be a playoff contender that can upset some of those top-tier teams in the AFC, like the Buffalo Bills, like the Baltimore Ravens, like the Kansas City Chiefs. I thought the Indianapolis Colts were a team that was a second-tier team in the AFC. And so far this season, they've been a major, major, major disappointment. And Frank Wright, with the quarterback that he currently has in Matt Ryan, he's underachieved in these first four games of the season. He really has. And you would think that the Colts would be improved offensively with a quarterback the caliber of a Matt Ryan. And then look at their weapons offensively. In the backfield, they got Jonathan Taylor, one of the best running backs in the NFL. At receiver, you got Michael Pittman Jr. You got Paris Campbell. So you got some reliable receivers to throw the ball to. They aren't elite like Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle or like, you know, some of these other receivers like Mike Evans or Devontae Adams. But Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell, they reliable targets to throw the football to. I love their tight ends. Mo Cox, Jelani Woods. You can make things happen in that Colts offense with those tight ends. And Alec Pierce, that's another receiver that they have on their team who I like because I thought he did a great job at the University of Cincinnati under head coach Luke Fickle. Alex Pierce was sensational in college. He had a great college career. So I think he's going to be key for this Colts team as the season goes along. I think if you can get some quality production from Alec Pierce and he can step up and be a true number one receiver for Matt Ryan, I think that could help this Colts offense get back on the right track because that's going to open up running lanes for Jonathan Taylor. Offensively, they are led by offensive coordinator Marcus Brady. And 
going back to week one, they scored 20 points against the Texans. But then in week two, they didn't score a single point against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, the Jacksonville Jaguars are an improved football team overall because they got Doug Peterson now as their head coach. And Doug Peterson is currently changing the culture in Jacksonville. But it is unacceptable for this Indianapolis Colts team to get shut out against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They have no business being shut out and not even scoring a single point in that game. Very, very underwhelming performance in week two. Week three, they did upset the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I predict predicted that they would beat the Chiefs. I said it that this is a must-win for the Indianapolis Colts. They're 0-2 on the season. This game is going to be played in Indianapolis in front of their home crowd. They're going to have a lot of energy for this game. And I thought in that matchup, Matt Ryan showed flashes of being the old Matt Ryan. In that matchup, Matt Ryan threw for over 200 passing yards. He had two touchdowns, no interceptions. And also what was impressive in that game was how they contained Patrick Mahomes in the second half. In the second half, the Chiefs didn't score. Well, they scored three points. They scored three points. So, they, so they, the coach defense held that elite Chiefs offense to only three points in the second half. That's impressive. Anytime you can hold an elite offense like the Chiefs to under seven points in a half, that is impressive as a defense overall. So I thought that the Colts were headed in the right direction after their week three win over the Kansas City Chiefs. They followed that up with a 24-17 loss at home against the Tennessee Titans. And I said coming into the season that the Tennessee Titans were not going to be a playoff team in the AFC. And I thought that was a chance for the Colts to get to 2-2 two and two on the season win two straight games at home, and they went the bed against the Titans in an AFC South battle that could have major implications later down the road in the season because you have to win these division games. And so far this season, they are 0-1, oh, they're 0-2-1 in the AFC South. So Colts are impressive. They've, they've, they've lost two division games to the Jaguars and the Titans, and they tied against the Texans. 0-2-1 record in the AFC South is not good. So they're not off to a good start this season. But this is a big-time game tonight for the Indianapolis Colts. Big-time game that they have to win. They must win. Let's transition to the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos, they are 2-2 two and two on the season. They brought in Russell Wilson, and they upgraded at quarterback because they haven't had a reliable quarterback since Peyton Manning. And they bring in Russell Wilson. They sign Russell Wilson to a contract extension, $245 million extension with 165 guaranteed. So the expectations were high for Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos coming into the season. And you look at their offense. They got Melvin Gordon in the backfield. They started off the season with Javante Williams as well at running back, at receiver. You got Cortland Sutton. You got Jerry Judy. And then your tight end is solid in Eric Salbert. You got KJ Hamler, another skill position player. And their offensive line is decent. So I had high expectations for 
this Broncos offense to improve with Russell Wilson at the helm. You got to remember with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, for his career, has a 106 and 55 and one career record as a quarterback. So he's won 66% of his games. He had one losing season in Seattle, and that was his last season last year when the Seattle Seahawks were awful. That was his only losing season in 10 years in Seattle. So Russell Wilson is a winner, and I thought that bringing Russell Wilson in would be the perfect match for this Denver Broncos team to be contenders, not only in the AFC West, but in the AFC and the NFL overall. And so far this season, they've been disappointing overall as a football team. Week one, they lose to the Seattle Seahawks. It was Russell Wilson's homecoming in Seattle. They lose that game 17-16. They got into the red zone a few times in that game, but they couldn't score touchdowns. They only scored field goals. Geno Smith got the best of Russell Wilson in that game. Week two, they beat the Houston Texans 16-9, but in that, in that game, they were underwhelming as an offense overall. 16 points against the Houston Texans? This ain't the Buccaneers defense. This ain't the Packers defense. This is the Houston Texans defense, and that Broncos offense only scored 16 points in that game. Week three, they won, but they beat the 49ers only 11 to 10. Scored 11 points in that game. If it wasn't for Jimmy Garoppolo and his inability to know where he's at on the field, I believe the 49ers would have beaten the Broncos in that game. But Jimmy G, his IQ can be questioned at times, and his foot hit the white paint, and it was a safety for the 49ers, and the Broncos were awarded two points, and they ended up winning that game 11-10, but they have not been the offense that we had expected prior to the season. They have not been that offense that we expected to see. In week five, in week five they have the Colts. And in, 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 in week four, they did lose to the Raiders. But that was a must-win for the Raiders. Must-win game for the Raiders. And, you know, like I said, I've just not been impressed with the Broncos. They average 16.5 points per game. That's ranked 30th in the NFL. And you look at their numbers overall as an offense. They're averaging 336 yards per game. That's ranked 21st in the NFL. They convert on third down 35% of the time. That's ranked 23rd in the NFL. And their red zone touchdown percentage is only 30%. That's ranked 32nd in the NFL. So offensively, they have not been impressive. And they've been one of the worst teams in the NFL as an overall offense. And I'm shocked because I thought they were going to be better with Russell Wilson. Now. When I look at the quarterbacks in this game, the perception is Russell Wilson has had a better career than Matt Ryan has. But when you compare their respective careers, you can make an argument for Matt Ryan having a better career overall than Russell Wilson. Matt Ryan for his career, he got 372 touchdowns. 175 interceptions, 60,860 
passing yards. He's completed 66% of his passes in his career. He has a career record as a quarterback, 121, 104, and 1. So he's won 54% of his games in Atlanta. And for his career, he won NFL MVP in 2016. That same year, he won Offensive Player of the Year. That award, he won Offensive Rookie of the Year in 08. And he has been to the Pro Bowl four times. He was the NFL passer rating leader in 2016, the same year he won NFL MVP. In 2012, he was the completion percentage leader. So Matt Ryan has been a good quarterback in the NFL. I wouldn't say he's great. I think he's teetering Hall of Fame. I think if he would have been able to win that Super Bowl against Tom Brady, he would have improved his chances at being able to make the Hall of Fame once his career is said and done. He would have improved his chances at making the Hall of Fame. You have a 23-point lead in the Super Bowl, you got to finish that deal. you got to finish that deal. We know the rest of that story when Tom Brady stormed back in the second half of that game. So that's something that Matt Ryan will not be able to live down on his resume. But he's been a good quarterback in the NFL. I think that NFL MVP in 2016 makes you look at his resume in a different way. Because a lot of quarterbacks in NFL history have never even won an NFL MVP, including Russell Wilson. And Russ, for his career, he has 296 touchdowns, 88 interceptions. He has 38,039 passing yards. He's completed 65% of his passes. Again, when he was in Seattle, he won majority of his games. His career record as a quarterback is 106-55-1, so he's won 66% of his games. He has nine Pro Bowl appearances on his resume. He was the passer rating leader in 2015, and in the early part of his career, he was looked at as a game manager, but as the years went along, we got a chance to witness Russell Wilson being at his best because the Legion of Boom, Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, they ended up getting old. And they weren't the same defense in Seattle in the later part of Russell Wilson's career while he was with the Seattle Seahawks. That team ended up being a team that was led by Russell Wilson. It wasn't Pete Carroll's defense that was the strength of that Seahawks team in the later part of Russell Wilson's career in Seattle. It was Russell Wilson's team. And the numbers back it up. You look at his numbers in 2017. He had 34 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. In 2018, 35 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Arguably his best season of his career. And then in 2020, 40 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. So in the early part of his career in Seattle, it was all about Pete Carroll's defense and the Legion of Boom. As the seasons went along in Russell's career, it became Russell Wilson's team. And he was the best player on those Seattle Seahawks teams overall. So I think when you compare Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson's careers, I think they are very comparable. Matt Ryan has an MVP award that Russell Wilson doesn't have, but Russell Wilson has more Pro Bowl appearances than Matt Ryan had. And Russell Wilson still has a good five or six years left 
playing at a high level. Matt Ryan has about, I say, max two or three years in the NFL. So two good quality quarterbacks that you can win a Super Bowl with, and they're going to do battle tonight in Denver. Now, when I look at both of these teams and which team is more likely to make the playoffs, in the AFC South, you got the Indianapolis Colts. In that division, right now, the best team in that division is the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't believe in the Tennessee Titans. I think the Tennessee Titans will miss the playoffs. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they got Trevor Lawrence. They also have Doug Peterson. But I still think they have a long way to go to say that they're going to be true contenders in the AFC overall. Now, they could compete in the AFC South, but I don't think they're going to be able to compete in the AFC overall. But again, they already beat the Colts 24-0. So they have an ability to win football games, and Trevor Lawrence can put up points. And he has a great head coach in Doug Peterson who's leading him right now to elevate his game in his sophomore season. So in the AFC South, I think the Colts have a chance to bounce back as the season goes along and possibly compete against the Titans, against the Jaguars, and win the AFC South overall. They got a shot. They got a shot. The Houston Texans, they aren't going anywhere. So I, I expect the Colts to beat the Texans next time they play them in Indianapolis. But they're going to have to, co to compete against the Jaguars and the Titans to win this division. And they already have losses against both of those opponents. For the Broncos, coming into the season, we talked about how the AFC West was probably the most competitive division in NFL history. You got four good quarterbacks in the AFC West, in Derek Carr, in Justin Herbert, in Patrick Mahomes, in Russell Wilson. So that division coming into the season is a division that is competitive. But so far this season, the Kansas City Chiefs have been the best team in the AFC West by far. We talked about how the division was going to be so competitive, but the Chiefs are looking like they are the clear-cut best team in the AFC West. The Raiders, they got so many issues on their team. Defensively, they can't stop a nosebleed. Offensively, their car has been inconsistent. They only won a game last week against the Broncos because Josh Jacobs had one of his best games of his career. The Chargers, they're dealing with a bunch of injuries on their team right now. They're 2-2 two and two on the season. But the Chiefs sitting at 3-1 and one with wins over the Chargers, over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this previous week, they are the clear best team in the AFC West. And so maybe the Broncos can sneak into the playoffs as a wild card team. But right now, I don't see the Broncos being able to beat out Kansas City Chiefs to win the AFC West. I don't see it happening. So maybe they can sneak into the playoffs as a wild card team. I would say right now the Broncos are the more likely team to make the playoffs compared to the Colts. I would give the Broncos a, a slightly better chance to make the post postseason 
as a wild card team compared to the Colts. I think depending on how long Jonathan Taylor is going to be out, I think the Colts could be in some trouble. You, you, they got the Broncos this week. And after that, they got the Jaguars in week six. That's not a guaranteed win for the Colts. Week seven, they got the Titans again. They just lost to the Titans in week four. And as you know, you look at their schedule later on the season. In week 13, they got the Cowboys. Week 15, they got the Vikings. Week 16, they got the Chargers. So schedule is it's, it's not too bad. But start off the season one, two, and one, they got to put together some wins. I think they should start off tonight in Denver and beat the Denver Broncos. So tonight I'm going to roll with the upset. I'm rolling with the Indianapolis Colts to beat the Denver Broncos tonight in Denver. I'll go Colts 24, Broncos 21. I think tonight offensively, Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson have good games. And I think the Colts sneak by the Broncos on a late game-winning field goal, 24-21. But I do believe that the Broncos are the team that is more likely to make the playoffs than the Colts are. Everybody, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram with these guys. No sports. Call into the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655. Kickoff is a little bit over 12 minutes from now. Give me your prediction for tonight's game. Who you got, Colts or Broncos in Denver? Let's transition to the real NFL MVP conversation. That is my question of the day on tonight's show. And earlier I mentioned it, Patrick Mahomes was the overwhelming selection for who's going to be the NFL MVP throughout the season. Who's the currently NFL MVP right now? 67% of people say that Patrick Mahomes is the NFL MVP right now. 33% says Jalen Hurts. No votes for Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen. I think that's very, very interesting. I can't believe that Lamar or Josh Allen didn't get any vote. That is surprising because I think this MVP race is closer than what many people think right now. Jalen Hurts got 33% of the votes, and Mahomes got 67%. Not a single vote for Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson. I'm surprised. I'm very, very surprised. So right now, these are the four leading candidates for NFL MVP, and we know this is a quarterback award. No one's going to win this award besides a quarterback. No matter how great of a season, some of these great defensive players have had in the past, Aaron Donald, T.J. Watt. This is a quarterback award. And so far for this season, let's start off with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has 11 touchdowns, four interceptions. He's completing 65% of his passes. He has 37 carries, 316 rushing yards, two touchdowns. He's averaging close to nine yards per attempt. So Lamar Jackson is helping this Ravens rushing attack because he's so dynamic as a playmaker and with the ball in his hands. That's what makes Lamar different than these other elite quarterbacks. He's able to make plays with his legs, and he's electrifying in the open field. 
you can't defend against Lamar Jackson without having a linebacker spy on him. And even that is an issue for opposing defenses because more times than not, if you have one-on-one against Lamar Jackson in the open field, Lamar is going to win that matchup. He's going to win that matchup. So when you game plan against the Baltimore Ravens, not only do you have to game plan for Lamar Jackson's arm, but you got a game plan for Lamar Jackson's legs as well because he's such a dynamic playmaker in the open field. His team record is 2-2 two and two on the season. So coming into the season, the Ravens, they beat the New York Jets 24-9. to nine. Jets are the Jets. They're one of the worst teams in the NFL, despite what their records currently says. They're not a very good football team. Lamar and the Ravens took care of business against the Jets. Week two, the Ravens defense allowed Tua Tagovailoa to look like a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. The Ravens had a 35 to 14 lead heading into the fourth quarter against the Dolphins in week two. The Dolphins outscored the Ravens 28 to three in the fourth quarter. And in that game, Tua had six touchdowns, 469 passing yards. He went 36 of 50 overall on his pass attempts. So that Ravens defense so far in the first four games of the season, they've been awful. They have been awful, and they have not represented the Ravens' legacy when it comes to defense. Because in years past, the reason why the Baltimore Ravens were contenders year in and year out was because of their elite defense that had Ray Lewis. That had Ed Reed. That had Terrell Suggs. And for whatever reason, this Ravens defense is arguably the worst defense in the NFL. Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens, he has been awful this year as a coordinator overall because he keeps calling these blitz packages in key moments in games and the Baltimore Ravens are the worst team in the NFL when they blitz. And so that's been the biggest issue this year with the Baltimore Ravens overall. Lamar Jackson has done his part. That Baltimore Ravens team overall, offensively, they've been one of the best teams in the NFL. So far this season, the Ravens haven't scored less than 20 points as an offense. So. This team is Lamar Jackson's team moving forward. And in the back in the day, the Ravens' strength of their team was their defense, and they just prayed that Joe Flacco didn't make mistakes, and he managed the game and made a few key throws late in football games for them to win games overall. But the strength of their team in the past was their defense, and now the strength of their team is their offense. And what's crazy to me is the Ravens defensively, they have individual on that defense to help them be a better defense overall. And it just hasn't happened so far this season. They got Calais Campbell up front. You got Travis Jones as well. At the linebacker spot, you got Patrick Queen. You got Josh Baines. In their secondary, you got Marcus Peters. You got Marcus Williams. 
Marlon Humphreys as well. So I don't understand with the personnel that they have, why they're such an awful defense. I don't understand that. But that's the biggest reason why they're two and two. And they are ruining Lamar Jackson's chances at winning NFL MVP because they can't hold on to lead. They gave up a 20.1-point lead to the Dolphins. They gave up a 17-point lead to the Bills. So Lamar Jackson, he could easily blame that Ravens defense for the reason why he's not the leading candidate in the MVP race. Let's switch to Josh Allen. Josh Allen for the season got 10 touchdowns, three interceptions, 1,227 passing yards. He's completing 67% of his passes. Quarterback rating of 101.1. The Bills, their record is 3-1 on the season. I thought the Bills were the best team in the NFL in the first two weeks of the season. They beat the Rams, the defending champs, week one in L.A., 31-10. to And then in week two, they manhandled Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans in Buffalo. And then even in week three, they lost to the Miami Dolphins in Miami, but it was a competitive game. They lost 21 to 19, but they had close to 500 yards of total offense. Josh Allen still had 400 passing yards in that game, in the heat. So they three and one in the season. I think the win over the Ravens in week four was the biggest win of the season so far for the Buffalo Bills. Because as great as their first two weeks was, if you lose to the Dolphins and the Ravens and you're two and two in the first quarter of the season, it, it kind of takes away from how good they were in those first two weeks if they, if they would have lost to the Ravens in week four. But they took care of business, overcame a 17-point deficit, and their offense was sensational in the second half against the Baltimore Ravens. The Bills outscored the Ravens 13-0 in the second half. So that offense came alive in the second half of that game. So I think Josh Allen has been impressive in the first four weeks. Three interceptions, not too bad, not too bad. But his connection with Stephon Diggs is one of the best quarterback wide receiver connections that we have in the NFL. Of all these quarterbacks that are MVP candidates, I would say that Josh Allen has the best receiver compared to his counterparts in Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and Jalen Hurts. I would say that Josh Allen has the best receiver compared to the MVP candidates. Patrick Mahomes. So far this season, Patrick Mahomes has 11 touchdowns, two interceptions, 1,106 passing yards. He's completed 66% of his passes. His quarterback rating is 108.4. And for Patrick Mahomes, his team is 3-1 on the season. Week one, they blew out the Arizona Cardinals. They put up 44 in week one. They followed that up in week two. They put up 27 over the L.A. Chargers. That was a Thursday night matchup. Short week. Still put up 27 points. And then in week three, they lost to the Colts 20-17. to 
They only scored three points in the second half. But that was probably their worst half of the season against the Colts in week three. Because in week four, Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense was sensational. And they went up against the best defense in the NFL in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And remember I said in week three, after watching the Packers only score 14 against that Buccaneers defense, and in the second half, that Packers offense got completely shut out. Got completely shut out. The Chiefs scored 14 points in the first quarter alone against the Buccaneers last week. They had 28 points at halftime, and they had 41 points total for the game. They had over 400 total yards for the game, and this all happened because of Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, he put on an MVP performance in that game. 23 of 37, 249 passing yards, three touchdowns, one interception. And watching the game, it looked like Patrick Mahomes was playing by himself on the field, just playing catch with his receivers, like just throwing the ball back and forth with his receivers. And I almost looked like a father playing in the backyard with his kids. That's how dynamic Patrick Mahomes was in their week four win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And again, it was an MVP type of performance for Patrick Mahomes in week four against the Buccaneers. Because the Buccaneers got the best defense in the NFL. And they had no answers for Patrick Mahomes. So I thought he had the best performance so far as a quarterback this season. Let's go to Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has four touchdowns, two interceptions. He got 1,120 passing yards. He's completed 67% of his passes. He has 53 carries, 205 rushing yards, four touchdowns. He's averaging close to four yards per attempt on the season. His team record is 4-0, and they are undefeated. And right now, Jalen Hurts has the Philadelphia Eagles as the number one team on the power rankings and the number one team in the NFC. Week one, they took care of business against the Detroit Lions, 38-35, to a high-scoring affair in Detroit. Week two, they beat Kirk Cousins in the Minnesota Vikings on Monday Night Football, 24-7. to Jalen Hurts outplayed Kirk Cousins significantly in that game. Week three, they handled Carson Wentz and the Washington Commanders 24-8 to in Washington. And then in week four, after trailing 14-0 against the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Eagles outscored the Jaguars 29-7 to in the final three quarters of that game. And it was all because of the quarterback, Jalen Hurts. So, all four of these quarterbacks have been sensational so far this season. But I believe right now the best quarterback in the NFL and the NFL MVP as we speak is Patrick Mahomes. Because Patrick Mahomes, the performance that he had against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that is what solidified it for me for him to be the NFL MVP in the first quarter of the season. I saw Aaron Rodgers score 14 points against that Buccaneers defense 
in the first half of the Packers-Buccaneers Week 3 game. Aaron Rodgers didn't score a single point in the second half of that game. Mahomes had 14 points in the first quarter against that Buccaneers defense. He had 28 points at halftime, 41 points total for the game. It was an MVP performance from Patrick Mahomes. And even without Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes has this Chiefs offense playing at an elite level. They still got Travis Kelsey. They still got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the backfield. And they're led by Andy Reid, one of the best play callers in the NFL. And this offense is still playing at a high level with Marquez Valdez-Scanlon and Juju Smith-Schuster. That was the biggest question that we had for the Chiefs offense coming into the season. How were they going to make up for the production that Tyreek Hill gave them in Kansas City? How are they going to make up for that? Who was going to replace Tyreek Hill? And Patrick Mahomes in the first four games of the season with 11 touchdowns, two interceptions, I think he's been nothing short of sensational. And I believe that right now he's the best quarterback in the NFL. His ability to make plays in the pocket and accurately throw the football down the field and also get out on the edges and make opposing defenders miss is something that Patrick Mahomes is doing only at his level. As great as Lamar Jackson is at being able to elude defenders, Lamar Jackson cannot accurately throw the football down the field like Patrick Mahomes can. As great as Justin Herbert's arm strength is, he doesn't have the accuracy that Patrick Mahomes has. So I think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. And right now, through the first four games of the season, he's the NFL MVP. And he's doing things that only Patrick Mahomes can do. The only comparable quarterback was Aaron Rodgers in his career, in the early part of his career. But at this point in his career, Aaron Rodgers is a pocket passer and Patrick Mahomes, his ability to scramble and be mobile as a quarterback, he's playing the best right now amongst the quarterbacks. Call into the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. Do you agree that Patrick Mahomes is the early choice for NFL MVP, or do you believe Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, or Josh Allen should be the NFL MVP right now? It is time for my NFL Weekly wise picks last week in week four. I went 10 and five. I went 10 and five in week three as well. So the last two weeks, my record for my weekly wise picks is 20 and 10. Want to improve on that. So let's get right to these NFL weekly wise picks. It's NFL week five. Let's get to it. We got the Detroit Lions traveling to New England to take on Bill Belichick and the Patriots. The Patriots are favored by three points. It's a one o'clock kickoff in New England. The over-under for this matchup is 45 and a half. Lions are fresh off of a loss to the Seattle Seahawks. High-scoring affair, 48 to 45. One thing about the Detroit Lions, they give up a lot of points and they score 
a lot of points. And so far this season, believe it or not, Jared Goff has been impressive for the Detroit Lions. On the season, Jared Goff, he has 1,126 passing yards, 11 touchdowns, only three interceptions for Jared Goff. So Jared Goff, I'm not going to call him an elite quarterback, but so far this season, dare I say Jared Goff should be in the MVP conversation? Can't believe I'm saying it. That's how impressive Jared Goff has been. For the Patriots, they're going to be starting their third-string quarterback, Bailey Zappi. Mac Jones is still out with an ankle injury. Brian Hoyer is out with a concussion. So Zappi's going to get the start for the Patriots. I expect the Lions to handle business in Foxborough. I'm going to roll with Jared Goff to beat Bailey Zappi. I'll go Lions 31, Patriots 24. So I expect the game to be competitive, but I think Jared Goff will outlast Bailey Zappi. Lions 31, Patriots 24. Let's go to Buffalo. The Pittsburgh Steelers are traveling to Buffalo to take on Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are favored by 14 points in this game. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff. The over-under for this game is 46 and a half. Kenny Pickett will get his first career start in the NFL, and I believe that the Bills have a significant advantage at the quarterback position in this matchup. So I believe the Bills will blow out the Steelers. The Steelers' offense isn't very good. I love their skill position players in Claypool, in Pickens, so I like their skill position players, but I don't believe it's going to be enough to keep pace with the Buffalo Bills elite offense led by Josh Allen. So I'm going to roll with the Bills to blow out Kenny Pickett and the Steelers. I'll go Bills 34, Steelers 13. Moving on to a matchup in the Meadowlands. It's the Miami Dolphins favored by three points traveling to New York to take on the New York Jets. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff in New York for this game. The over-under for this game is 46. Teddy Bridgewater gets the start for the Miami Dolphins. And the Jets actually had an impressive week four win over the Steelers, a game where they trailed early in that game, and they came back in the second half and they outlasted Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I think the Jets are going to go down this week. I think the Miami Dolphins are a better football team than the New York Jets are. And I think the Dolphins need this win for a division win in the AFC East. I'm rolling with the Dolphins to beat the Jets. I'll go 20 to 10. Falcons at Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are favored. By eight and a half points in this matchup in Tampa Bay. It's a one o'clock kickoff. The over-under for this game is 48 points. The Buccaneers are a more complete football team than the Falcons are. So I'm rolling with the Bucks to beat the Falcons. I'll go Bucks 27, Falcons 13. Moving on to the Seattle Seahawks traveling. To the Big Easy 
in New Orleans to take on the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are favored by five and a half points. It's a one o'clock kickoff in New Orleans. The over-under for this game is 46 points. And I believe so far this season, the Saints have been one of the most disappointing teams in the NFL. So I'm going to roll with Geno Smith beating the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans 24-17. So I got the Seahawks upsetting the Saints in New Orleans 24-17. And that is my upset pick for week five. Go ahead and mark it down, ladies and gentlemen. Seahawks 24, Saints 17. Geno Smith has been impressive in the first four weeks of the season. For the season, Geno Smith got 1,037 passing yards, six touchdowns, two interceptions. That's a career year for Geno Smith. I think the Seahawks outlast the Saints in New Orleans. That's my upset pick of the week. Texans at Jaguars. It's the AFC South battle in Jacksonville. The Jaguars are favored by seven points in this game. It's a one o'clock kickoff in Jacksonville. The over-under for this game is 44 points. David Mills versus Trevor Lawrence. I'm rolling with Trevor Lawrence to beat David Mills. I'll go Jaguars 27. Texans 17. Titans are traveling to Washington to take on Carson Wentz and the Washington Commanders. The Titans are favored by two and a half points. It's a one o'clock kickoff. The over-under for this game is 43 points. I don't believe in Carson Wentz. I don't think he's very good. I actually believe that Ryan Tannehill is slightly better than Carson Wentz. And I believe Derrick Henry is the best player on the field Sunday in Washington. I'm rolling with the Titans to beat the Commanders. I'll go Titans 20, Commanders 17. I don't believe in either one of these teams. I don't think neither one of these teams are playoff teams in their respective conferences. NFC North battle in Minnesota. Bears at Vikings. Justin Fields versus Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is favored by seven points. It's a one o'clock kickoff in Minnesota. The over-under for this game is 44 points. I expect the Vikings offense to take care of business against that Bears defense. I expect Justin Jefferson to have a great performance in this game. I'm rolling with the Vikings to beat the Bears. I'll go Vikings 31, Bears 17. Chargers at Browns in Cleveland. Chargers are favored by two and a half points. It's a one o'clock kickoff in Cleveland. The over-under for this game is 47 and a half. Once Deshaun Watson, his suspension was announced, I said that this would be one of the games that the Browns would miss Deshaun Watson because you need Deshaun Watson to match up with Justin Herbert. So I don't think the Browns have a chance to win this game. I'm going to roll with the Chargers to beat the Browns in Cleveland. I'll go Chargers 
24. Browns, 14. 49ers favored by six and a half in Carolina against the Panthers. It's a 4.05 kickoff in Carolina. The over-under for this game is 39 points. Jimmy Garoppolo versus Baker Mayfield, two game managers, but Jimmy Garoppolo plays for the better football team. I believe the 49ers cover the spread and blow out the Panthers, and I think we're going to hear some boos in Carolina because Panthers fans are going to be upset with their team falling to one and four on the season and Baker Mayfield having another disappointing performance because this 49ers defense is elite. Led by D'Amico Ryan, that's the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. They got Nick Bosa. They got Fred Warner. They got Arik Armstead on that side of the ball. I think the 49ers take care of business against the Panthers. I'm going to roll with the 49ers to beat the Panthers. I'll go 27 to 10. Now, let's transition to an NFC battle in L.A. It's the Dallas Cowboys and L.A. Rams. The Rams are favored by five points in this matchup. It's a 425 kickoff in L.A. The over-under for this game is 43 points. So we got Cooper Rush versus Matthew Stafford. This matchup is actually interesting because when Dak Prescott injured his finger in week one, when I looked at the schedule for the Cowboys, I said that this would be one of the games that the Cowboys would for sure lose because I didn't believe that Cooper Rush would be able to handle the responsibilities as being the number one quarterback on the roster because now opposing defenses, they have opportunities to put together a game plan to slow down Cooper Rush. And I said that with Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup and that decent Rams defense with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, I said that the Cowboys would lose to the Rams. But I was wrong. I know Vegas has it at five points, but this is a game the Rams could lose. You look at Cooper Rush so far this season. He has 737 passing yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's completed 61% of his passes. And the Cowboys, they got wins over the Bengals, over the Giants, over the Commanders in this three-game stretch under Cooper Rush. So Cooper Rush, as a starting quarterback in the NFL, he's 4-0. What a luxury is it to have for the Dallas Cowboys organization to have a reliable backup quarterback in Cooper Rush. I said when Dak Prescott injured his finger, I said there's no chance in hell at the Cowboys being a playoff team and being a contender in the NFC East and the NFC overall. I said, looking at their schedule, that they would lose to the Rams, Eagles, Lions, and Packers and Vikings before Dak Prescott returns back to the field. We're not sure when he's going to return back to the field. It, it's, it's, it's kind of funny how the first week after Dak Prescott got injured, we heard Jerry Jones say 
that it was a possibility that Dak Prescott, Prescott could come back in week five or week six and play. We heard that from Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones literally said that maybe Dak Prescott could come back in week five or week six. Now that Cooper Rush has put together a few games of solid performances and the Cowboys are 3-0 and under Cooper Rush, all of a sudden, Dak Prescott can't grip a football. Ain't it kind of ironic how Jerry Jones, his tune has changed? Dak Prescott can't grip a football all of a sudden. So we won't see Dak Prescott for a while. And the longer Cooper Rush continues to play at a high level, that gives Dak Prescott longer time to rehab and try to come back close to being 100%. But here's the thing. As great as Cooper Rush has played in those games, he went up against the Bengals, Giants, and Commanders. So this will be the biggest test for Cooper Rush in his young career as a quarterback. He's going to be looking at Aaron Donald across from him, Jalen Ramsey across the field from him. So this is going to be the biggest test of Cooper Rush young career. So we're going to see what, what, what the Cowboys got. I believe in order for the Cowboys to have a chance at winning this game, they're going to have to run the football with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. That can help Cooper Rush relax and calm down in the early stages of this game. If the Cowboys are trailing in the first quarter, they're down 10 or 14 points in this game, I don't think that's going to be a recipe for success for this Cowboys team to win this game. I think they have to stay ahead on the scoreboard. And even if they're trailing in this game, they can't go down more than seven points. If they go down 10 or 14 points, I can't see Cooper Rush being able to come back in this football game with the likes of Aaron Donald rushing Cooper Rush and trying to come away with the sack. So it's going to be key for the Cowboys to stay on schedule, try to stay ahead of the chains, and stay ahead on the scoreboard overall. But this Rams offense hasn't been very good so far this season. In week one, they only put up 10 points against the Bills. Week two, they did put up 31 points, but it was against the Falcons. Give me a break. Week three, they scored only 20 points against the Arizona Cardinals. And that Arizona Cardinals defense is not an elite defense. And in week four, the Rams offense didn't even score 10 points. Now, offensively for the Rams, Sean McVay, can you figure out a way to scheme open Allen Robinson? That's been the biggest issue so far for the L.A. Rams. They have been so dependent on Cooper Cup that they have forgot about Allen Robinson. So far this season, Allen Robinson has only nine receptions, nine receptions for 95 receiving yards, one touchdown. What in the hell was the point in signing Allen Robinson if you're not going to scheme him open, Sean McVay? It makes zero sense what's going on right now with the L.A. Rams. They rely on Cooper Cup way too much. And I know Cooper Cup has a great relationship with Matthew Stafford. But you got to figure out a way to get Allen Robinson the football. 
They are a one-dimensional football team. Cam Akers is a shell of himself. He hasn't been the same since his injury. So that's the biggest issue for the L.A. Rams offensively right now. And look at you look at Matthew Stafford. This is Matthew Stafford in the two losses for the Rams this season. He only has one touchdown. He has five total turnovers. Four of those five turnovers are interceptions. He's been sacked 14 times. So that Rams offensive line, they can't protect Matthew Stafford. They can't scheme open Allen Robinson. And they can't run the football because they're one-dimensional as a football team. This is Matthew Stafford this season when targeting receivers. He's targeted Cooper Cup 54 times compared to other receivers 41 times. He's completed 78% of his passes to Cooper Cup compared to 63% of his passes to other receivers. He has 402 passing yards to Cooper Cup, only 278 passing yards to other Rams receivers. Cooper Cup has three touchdowns. Other Rams receivers only have one touchdown on the season. So the, the Rams offensively, they have to do a better job at getting others involved in the offense. I don't understand what was the point in, in signing Allen Robinson if you're not going to utilize him in your offense, Sean McVay. You still got Ben Skowronek at receiver as well. At tight end, you got Tyler Higby, a reliable tight end in your passing game. You got Kendall Blanton as well. As the season goes along, this Rams offense has to improve. They have to improve. They cannot be one-dimensional and expect to be a contender in the NFC. You got teams like the Packers with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, the Buccaneers with Leonard Fournette and their rushing attack. You got those other teams who have multiple ways to score points, not just in the passing game. So that's the biggest issue right now for the L.A. Rams overall and Sean McVay. So this, this game is going to be interesting. I can't wait to see the matchup between Cooper Cup and Trayvon Diggs. I think that's going to be a key in this, in this game. I know that Mike McCarthy and that Cowboys defense, they're going to match up Trayvon Diggs on – Cooper Cup multiple times in this game. So that's going to be key. We know Cooper Cup is arguably the best receiver in the NFL so far this season. Cooper Cup, he's been pretty good. He has 42 receptions, 402 receiving yards, three touchdowns. Cooper Cup is one of the best receivers in the NFL. Remember, this is fresh off a season where Cooper Cup, he won a triple crown. He had 1,947 receiving yards, 145 receptions, 16 touchdowns. So I believe that Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the NFL, but Cooper Cup was the best receiver in 2021. So that matchup between Cooper Cup and Trayvon Diggs is going to be key. When it comes to, to X-Factors in this game, I think an X-Factor is going to be Cam Akers, because the Rams have been so one-dimensional that if Cam Akers can have a breakout performance, maybe the Rams can play complimentary football and they don't have to rely on Matthew Stafford to drop back the pass over 40 times in this game. 
again, I said it earlier, Cam Akers, since he's been back from his injury, he has not been the same running back that he was before. For the season, Cam Akers has, has 38 carries, 118 rushing yards. He's averaging over three yards per carry, one touchdown. I got him on my fantasy team, and boy, am I regretting drafting Cam Akers. Because he hasn't done much this year. He hasn't done much. I had high expectations for Cam Akers. And he hasn't done much. He's having a, a down season so far for the L.A. Rams. So it's on the offensive line. It's on Sean McVay to figure out a way to implement a game plan that will feature Cam Akers so this offense won't be one-dimensional. Now, when it comes to who wins this football game, I believe that the Rams will have a bounce-back performance in this game. I expect the Rams defensively to frustrate Cooper Rush. I want to see Aaron Donald put on a great performance like he did in the Super Bowl. I'm rolling with the Rams to beat the Cowboys at SoFi Stadium. I'll go Rams 24, Cowboys 21. I think it's going to be close. But I think the Rams outlast the Cowboys at SoFi Stadium. So I got the Rams being so fly at SoFi Sunday afternoon in L.A. Let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles, who are undefeated 4-0 on the season. They are traveling to the West Coast to take on Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. It's a 425 kickoff in Arizona. Eagles are favored by five and a half points in this game. The over-under for this game is 48 and a half points. I don't have high expectations for the Arizona Cardinals. I think their offense is honestly hard to watch at times because it's almost as if they're playing street ball with Kyler Murray. Like, I don't see no flow or no rhythm in that Cardinals offense and it's like they dropped Kyler Murray back to pass and whenever his first read isn't open it's okay just get open just figure out a way to get open let Kyler Murray make plays with his athleticism and try to scramble and make plays in the open field on plays that break down I see no flow in this Arizona Cardinals offense now maybe it's because they don't have DeAndre Hopkins, who is currently suspended. He's going to return back to the field in week seven. Maybe he can help this Cardinals offense out. But again, coming into the season, I didn't have the Cardinals as a playoff team. I think the Eagles are by far the better football team. But I do believe it's going to be a high-scoring affair in Arizona Sunday afternoon. But I'm rolling with Jalen Hurts to outperform Kyler Murray. I'll go Jalen Hurts, 35, Kyler Murray, 24. Let's transition to an AFC North battle. Joe Burrow versus Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. The Ravens are favored by three points in this game. It's an 820 kickoff on Sunday night football. The over-under for this game is 48. So I've been thinking about this matchup all week long. And I want to talk about the Bengals first because Bengal fans, they were upset with me because 
after they beat the Miami Dolphins last week on Friday, in the immediate aftermath of that win, I made a post on Facebook and I said that Bengal fans shouldn't be celebrating because if you consider the caliber of quarterbacks that they've played against so far this season, the Bengals honestly should be 4-0. Let me name the quarterbacks that the Bengals have went up against so far this season. Mitchell Trubisky, Cooper Rush, Joe Flacco, Tua Tagovailoa, and Teddy Bridgewater. Those are the quarterbacks that the Cincinnati Bengals have played against so far this season. So I'm hearing Bengal fans brag about the win over the Miami Dolphins. They they beat the Jets in week three. They beat the Dolphins in week four. And I'm hearing Bengal fans talk about how elite their defense is. And I'm like, who in the hell have the Bengals went up against that's considered an elite quarterback? Lamar Jackson is going to be the first elite quarterback that the Bengals have played against so far this season. But forget about elite. He's the first good quarterback that they faced so far this season. Everybody else is mediocre. Tua Tagovailoa is a mediocre quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater is a backup. And even in, with, when he was a starter in the NFL, when he was starting, he was a backup. Mitchell Trubisky, he's awful. He's not even a starter no more in the NFL. Joe Flacco is past his prime. His best days are behind him. So this is going to be a true test for Lou Adamaral, the defensive coordinator for the Bengals. This is going to be the tr a true test as to whether or not this Bengals defense is elite. I love the personnel that the Bengals defense have. They got Logan Wilson, who I believe is one of the more underrated linebackers in the NFL. They got Trey Henderson up front as a nice pass rusher. They did lose DJ Reader on that defensive line, but they still got B.J. Hill. They got Sam Hubbard as a nice pass rusher as well. And then, you know, even besides Logan Wilson at linebacker, you got Jermaine Pratt. You got Clay Johnston as well as a backup linebacker. And I don't like their secondary. I always said that Eli Apple is suspect to me. But I do like Awazuki, the other cornerback, in their defensive backfield. And I love their safeties. I love Jesse Bates and Von Bell. And even their backup, Dax Hill. He's a nice free safety to have as a backup. We know the Bengals don't like to play. They don't like to pay players. So... It's a great chance that Dax Hill is going to be the starter for the Bengals next season. They're not going to pay Jesse Bates. He can give it up now. They're not going to pay Jesse Bates. He's not going to get the money that he's going to demand. So they're going to have to, they're going to, have, to have Dax Hill in their secondary, and I think he can do a great job. I really, really do. But, again, this is the biggest test for the Bengals' defense this year against Lamar Jackson and this elite Ravens offense. The Ravens have one of the best offenses in the NFL, and they lead in a lot of major statistical categories offensively overall. Obviously, they got Lamar Jackson. They got J.K. Dobbins as well as a receiver. I like this Ravens offense, and I believe this Ravens offense can put up some points on that Bengals defense. They got a nice tight end in Andrews as well. Mark Andrews is a solid tight end in the NFL. He's not on the level like a George Kittle or 
a Darren Waller or a Travis Kelsey, but I believe Andrews can hold his own, and he's a reliable target for Lamar Jackson, especially in the red zone, especially in the red zone. So that Ravens offense versus that Bengals defense, I'm going to give the slight edge to the Ravens offense. But when we switch gears and go to the Bengals offense versus that Ravens defense, I believe the Bengals have the advantage significantly because I'm looking at the Bengals receivers. They got Jamar Chase. They got T. Higgins. They got Tyler Boyd. And they're going to go up against Marcus Williams, Chuck Clark, Marcus Peters, and Marlon Humphrey. That's the Ravens secondary that's been one of the worst units in the NFL. They've been one of the worst units in the NFL. They gave up a 21-point lead to the Dolphins in Week 2. They gave up a 17-point lead to the Bills in Week 4. So this Ravens defense is one of the worst defenses we have in the NFL, and I think this is a bad matchup for the Ravens because the strength of the Bengals is their elite receiving core. And they have Joe Burrow throwing the football. And despite his early season struggles, Joe Burrow, over the last few weeks, has come along in week four against the Dolphins. Joe Burrow, he goes 20 of 31. He throws for 287 passing yards, two touchdowns. And then in week three against the Jets, Joe Burrow, he goes 23 of 36, 275 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He's thrown for 560 passing yards and five touchdowns in the last two weeks. So despite his early season struggles, Joe Burrow is starting to get into a rhythm. Now, the one thing for the Bengals, they have given up so far this season, they've given up over 15 sacks. And that was supposed to be the strength of their team this year. They brought in Ted Karras. They brought in Lyle Collins. They brought in Alex Kappa. And that was supposed to help their offensive line protect Joe Burrow. Because last year, Joe Burrow got sacked a league high 51 times last year. And so that was the weakness of the Bengals offense was their offensive line. So... Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow, they expected Ford Burrow to be protected more this season. And it hasn't been the case so far this year. Now, they did do a great job against a pretty good solid front seven in the Miami Dolphins in their week four win. They only gave up one sack in that game. So, Bengals defense... I'm sorry, the Bengals offense, slowly but surely, that offensive line is starting to do a better job as the season is going along. And if Joe Burrow can get any type of protection, these elite weapons that the Bengals have in Chase, in Higgins, in Boyd, the sky is the limit for this Bengals offense. The sky is the limit. The only issue for the Bengals this year has been their inability to run the football with Joe Mixon. Now, for the season, Joe Mixon, he has 82 carries, 
224 rushing yards, only one touchdown. He's averaging 2.7 yards per carry. So Joe Mixon has been a non-factor in the early stages of the season for the Bengals. I expect Joe Mixon to have a better performance in this game against this Ravens defense. It hasn't happened so far this season, but I expect him to have a solid performance against this Ravens defense, and maybe this could get Joe Mixon into a rhythm and the Bengals' rushing attack can improve as we get towards the middle of the season. I think it's going to be key as we get towards the middle of the season and the climate changes, especially here in Cincinnati, and it gets more colder and you can't throw the ball 40 times per game. I think it's going to be important for the Bengals offensive line to establish the rushing attack with Joe Mixon. I think Joe Mixon, at his best, is still an elite running back. I hear Bengals fans talking about that Joe Mixon is cooked and he's no longer the same player that he once was. I disagree wholeheartedly. I still think Joe Mixon is one of the premier backs that we have in the NFL. And I expect Joe Mixon to have his best game of the season in this matchup against the Baltimore Ravens. So I think this will be the game for Mixon to get back on the right track. And if the Bengals can run the football in this game, it's lights out for the Baltimore Ravens. They have no chance in hell at being able to beat the Cincinnati Bengals if they don't stop Joe Mixon. And, you know, that's going to be key. The key matchup is Jamar Chase. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd versus Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphreys, and that's going to be the key for this game. That's going to be key to see who wins this matchup. Those Bengals receivers versus the Ravens secondary. That is a strength for the Bengals and a weakness for the Baltimore Ravens. And that is why I'm going to roll with the Cincinnati Bengals to roll into Baltimore and beat Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens I'm rolling with the Bengals to beat the Ravens 24-17. So I got Burrow beating Lamar Jackson 24-17 in Baltimore. And the Bengals moving up in the AFC North standings and being the number one team in the AFC North at 3-2. and two. So, yes, Lamar Jackson and the, and the Ravens are going to lose their second consecutive game. And... I think the Bengals are going to take care of business because the Bengals' strength is their receiving core and the Ravens' weakness is their secondary. And I think that Bengals' receiving core is going to expose that Ravens' secondary. They've been awful this year. And Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs, they need to take a trip to Baltimore. They, they got to go take a trip to Baltimore and talk to that Ravens' defense because so far this season, They've been completely awful. I mean, they have been god-awful. And I, I don't want to, again, make too much of it, but they are the sole reason why Lamar Jackson is not the leader in the NFL MVP conversation. And they're the reasons why the Baltimore Ravens are not 4-0. The Ravens should be 4-0 because offensively, the Ravens haven't scored less than 20 points this year. They haven't scored less than 20 points so far this year. 
So they should be 4-0. But two second-half meltdowns by this Ravens defense has them at 2-2. Two and two. They gave up, gave up a 21-point lead to the Miami Dolphins in Week 2, and they gave up a 17-point lead to the Buffalo Bills in Week 4. So, so they don't know how to close games. They struggle with closing games. So we'll see what happens. I got Bengals 24, Ravens 17. Let's transition to a matchup in London. We got the New York Giants and the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are favored by seven and a half points. It's a 9.30 a.m. kickoff here in the United States. The over-under for this matchup is 41. I said on last week's show that I don't believe in the New York Giants. The Giants are 3-1, but their three wins have came against the Titans, the Bears, and the Panthers. Titans, Bears, Panthers. Those are the three wins that the New York Giants have so far this season. So I'm not impressed with this Giants team being 3-1. Now, I am impressed with Saquon Barkley and him revitalizing his career. So far this season, Saquon Barkley, he has 84 carries, 463 rushing yards. He's averaging over five yards per carry, two touchdowns. I believe he is the key for this Giants offense to move the football. I don't believe in Daniel Jones. I don't understand how Daniel Jones continues to get opportunities to start in the NFL. He's not a franchise quarterback like a Mahomes like a Herbert, like a Burrow, like a Jackson, like a Allen. That's not who Daniel Jones is. He's below average at best for the season. He got 631 passing yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, 81.9 rating as a quarterback overall. He's not very good. And the Giants' skill position players are not very good either. I think the Packers take care of business in London. I think the Packers have the more complete football team. Even though the Packers are 3-1 and one and the offense is not playing to the level that we're accustomed to seeing, I believe that the Packers still have a dynamic offense because of their rushing attack with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. The strength of the Packers is their running game with their two running backs. They have a great offensive line with Josh Myers at center. They got David Batiari back, the best offensive tackle in the NFL. They got Elton Jenkins. They got Josh Newman as well on that offensive line. So their ability to run the football effectively is the reason why the Packers are 3-1 and right now. It's not because of Aaron Rodgers. In the passing game, you look at their receivers so far this year. Romeo Dobbs, he has 19 receptions for 184 receiving yards. Alan Lazard has 12 receptions for 174 receiving yards. Mr. Reliable and Randall Cobb, who's turning back the clock, he got 10 receptions for 150 receiving yards. Sammy Watkins, he's on IR. He has six receptions for 111 yards. Christian Watson has six receptions for 51 receiving yards. So that Packers off, you know, that offense overall, their receivers are not playing at a high level yet. And you can tell that Aaron Rodgers 
is still trying to develop chemistry with those receivers on the Packers offense. So that's going to take some time. It's going to take some time. And that's why we didn't see the Packers blow out the Patriots. I watched that game start to finish Sunday. Patriots had a third-string quarterback against the Packers. And as a Packers fan, I'm used to a certain standard. And I am used to the Packers blowing out teams like the Patriots in previous years when I've watched them play. And that game was a nail-biter the entire five quarters overall. So it's going to take some time. I'm used to a certain standard as a Packers fan. But like I said on Tuesday's show, I have to lower my expectations for this Packers offense. We in week five, maybe by week eight, week nine, week, week 10 or 11, maybe by then the Packers offense will be hitting on all cylinders and Aaron Rodgers will be on the same page as his receivers. I expect Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs as the season goes along to learn more about the system and get better in that Packers offense. And you, they got Robert Tunyon as well, a reliable tight end who Aaron Rodgers can throw the ball to in the passing game. I expect as the season goes along for that Packers passing game to start flowing at a higher level. But until then, it's the Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon show in Green Bay. I think the Packers take care of business against the Giants. I'm rolling with the Packers to beat the Giants in London. I'll go Packers 27. That's been the key number for the Packers this year. Giants 13. So I do believe the Packers will beat the Giants by two touchdowns. The Giants' weakness, which is their receivers, is the Packers' strength, which is their secondary. I don't know the status of Jair Alexander and Adrian Amos, but Jair Alexander, he's been dealing with a hamstring injury. Amos has a concussion. He left the matchup against the Patriots the other day. But if the Packers have their full arsenal in the secondary with Jair Alexander, with Rasul Douglas, with Eric Stokes, and then safety, they got Darnell Savage, they got Adrian Amos, I don't expect the Giants to put up many points in this game. And their only chance at being able to win this game is Saquon Barkley having a breakout game of his career. That's the only chance I give the, the Giants at winning this game. Saquon Barkley has to have the game of his life. <laughs> That's the only chance I give him. Packers 27, Giants 13. Let's transition to some NBA and talk about the Golden State Warriors as Draymond Green reportedly is facing internal discipline after an altercation with Jordan Poole. It happened in practice yesterday at the Warriors facility. So the Warriors, they're considering disciplinary action against Draymond Green. So when I look at this situation involving Draymond Green and Jordan Poole, first and foremost, I believe this is a situation where Jordan Poole, he's feeling himself because last year, before Clay Thompson returned back to the court, there were nights where Jordan Poole, he lit it up for the Golden State Warriors. There were nights when Steph Curry was playing good basketball, but he wasn't necessarily himself. And Jordan Poole was sensational 
last year for the Warriors, so much so that people were talking about Jordan Poole being a part of the Splash Brothers. That's what they were talking about last year with Jordan Poole. Last year, Poole averaged 19 points per game on 45% shooting from the floor, 36% from three-point range. So last year, he shot 36% from three-point range. And so he was hitting perimeter shots the same way we see Steph Curry and Klay Thompson hit. We was, he was seeing those same shots. And he's looking to get a new contract from the Golden State Warriors. He's fresh off an NBA Finals appearance. And he played a nice role on that Warriors team for them to win the NBA championship last year. He came off the bench in the rotation for Steve Kerr. And I think he's feeling himself because he knows he's going to get paid. Even if the Warriors don't pay Jordan Poole, somebody is going to give Jordan Poole a bag. Somebody's going to give him a lot of money because guards in the NBA who can hit perimeter shots are a luxury to have. You have to be able to hit perimeter shots if you are a guard in today's NBA. And Jordan Poole, for his career, he shot 34% from three-point range. So I believe he wants to get paid, and he's going to get paid at some point, whether it's in Golden State or elsewhere. So he was feeling himself coming into camp this year. And Draymond Green, he is the enforcer for the Golden State Warriors. He is their version of Dennis Rodman, of Charles Oakley. And so I think Draymond Green and Jordan Poole, they exchanged words since the beginning of training camp. I think this is something that happened at the start of training camp. Jordan Poole wants to get his new contract. Draymond Green, he wants a max contract extension in Golden State. And Draymond Green, he feels like, hey, I've been a major piece to this dynasty. I've won a Defensive Player of the Year award. I've been to multiple All-Star Game appearances. I'm the point guard on this Warriors team. I know Steph Curry is the true point guard, but Draymond Green is the facilitator for this Warriors team. So I believe Draymond Green probably told Jordan Poole to humble himself. Stay humble, young fella. You, you, you only in your third season in the NBA. So stay humble. Don't get besides yourself. I know you want to get paid, but don't get besides yourself. And I believe Jordan Poole said, I'm a man in my own right. And I am one of the best sixth men in the NBA. And I have a bright future. You ain't Klay Thompson. You ain't Steph Curry. And I think that's why they exchange words. And that's why Draymond Green reportedly punched Jordan Poole. Now, the thing is, for the Golden State Warriors, the Golden State Warriors, they are the type of organization that can handle these type of situations. This is the best organization in the NBA. I know the Celtics... And the Lakers have all those championships. Bulls won six in Chicago under Michael Jordan. But the best organization in the NBA right now is the Golden State Warriors 
with Steve Kerr, with Joe Lacob. And so I believe this organization can handle this type of situation. And I don't believe it's going to be something that's going to hurt the Warriors' chances at being able to repeat once we get into the regular season. I think that Jordan Poole and Draymond Green will both put this behind them and the Warriors will try to defend their championship. I don't think it's going to be something that impacts their season this year. But here is the interesting part for the Warriors after this season. You have young players on your team who wants to get paid, like Jordan Poole, like Andrew Wiggins, like Wiseman at some point, if he develops into being a true dependable center for the Warriors and can help Steve Kerr on that team, you got young players like Poole, like Wiseman, like Wiggins who want to get paid. So you have also on your team a Draymond Green, who's a four-time NBA champion, a four-time NBA All-Star. He won NBA Defensive Player of the Year Award in 2017. He's been on the NBA All-Defensive First Team four times. Three times he's been on the NBA All-Defensive Second Team in his career. He's an enforcer, and he is the heart and soul of the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry is the best player on the Golden State Warriors. Klay Thompson, in his prime, was the second greatest shooter on this Warriors team. But make no mistake about it, the heart and soul of the Golden State Warriors and the reason why they won four championships in eight years is because of Draymond Green. Without Draymond Green, the Warriors don't have four championships in eight years. So Joe Lacob, Steve Kerr, and that Warriors organization, they have a decision to make. Do you go young with Poole, with Wiggins, with Wiseman, and give them contract extensions and allow Draymond Green to hit the open market? Or do you sacrifice your future and bring back Draymond Green so he can retire as a warrior with Steph Curry and with Klay Thompson? Because Draymond Green deserves that. Draymond Green deserves to retire as a Golden State Warrior. He's been a major piece to what they've accomplished in Golden State. So they got a tough decision to make. Do you go young with youth and keep Poole, Wiggins, and Wiseman? Or do you bring back the all-around great Draymond Green? Draymond Green is not an elite scorer, but he does everything else for the Golden State Warriors, literally everything. He's their enforcer defensively. He's their best defender right now since Andre Iguodala and Klay Thompson both are either dealing with injuries or gotten up in age. Iguodala used to be their, you know, one of their best defensive players, but now it's Draymond Green for sure. And even though he struggled in the NBA Finals, we still know that Draymond can contribute on a championship contender. So that's going to be interesting for the Golden State Warriors. Overall, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if they bring back Draymond and, and allow him to retire as a Golden State Warrior like he deserves. But here's the interesting part, too. When the Warriors and Draymond Green negotiate a new contract, the Warriors have all the leverage. And the reason why the Warriors have all the leverage, it's because 
I don't believe Draymond Green's value is as high on other teams than it is with the Golden State Warriors. I think his value is at its peak with the Golden State Warriors. And I don't believe that the money that he's seeking, I don't believe he would get if he entered free agency. I don't think he would get a lot of money from other teams in the NBA. He would get paid, but he wouldn't get the money from other teams than what he's going to get from the Golden State Warriors. I think the Warriors will overpay Draymond because they know his significance on their team to win championships. But other teams, they're not going to view Draymond Green as a max player. I don't believe Draymond Green is a max player, but the Warriors, they possibly could view Draymond Green as a max player because of his role in helping them win four championships in eight years. Other teams, they're not going to look at Draymond Green as being that valuable. He'll get some money, but not as much as he would get if he remained in Golden State. So we'll see what could happen with the Golden State Warriors and their chances at being able to repeat in the Western Conference. Everybody, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys as well. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram with these guys. No sports. It's NFL Week 5. So excited for these matchups in the NFL. We got the Giants and Packers in London Sunday morning. So wake up to a great matchup in the NFC. Lions, Patriots, I'm excited about because I know the Lions, they're exciting to watch overall. And then we also have Chargers, Browns. It's going to be a nice matchup in the AFC in Cleveland. Cowboys, Rams, NFC battle in L.A. Cooper Rush versus Matthew Stafford. Now, Dak Prescott versus Matthew Stafford sounds a little bit better, but the way Cooper Rush has been playing, I'll take it. I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. And then we got an AFC North battle, Joe Burrow versus Lamar Jackson, Sunday night in Baltimore on NBC, 820 kickoff. I know the city of Cincinnati will be buzzing because everybody's going to be watching the Bengals in this crucial AFC North battle. This game is going to have major, major playoff implications. So this is a game the Bengals need. Ravens need it too. Can't wait for that. NFL Week 5. Also, it's going to be some nice matchups in college over the weekend. So everybody, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy NFL Week 5. I'll be back on Tuesday, 7 p.m. on the Worldwide Sports Network. Have a great weekend. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.